Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fucksters? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. Thank you for listening. I'm I'm a little I'm a little strung out. I'm a little tired. I'm a little jacked up on coffee and nicotine lozenges right now. We've been shooting the new show, the uh, Glow Show, the gorgeous ladies of wrestling, and uh, the flashbacks continue. Emotions within me uh, keep percolating to the surface. I, again, I don't know what's going on, but uh, I'll have to look at it as a plus. A plus. Like, I have to play a bit of an asshole, and when I'm a bit of an asshole and I, I'm a bit of a bully, on the show, I feel the emotions that are counter to that going on inside of me right after I do it. Right, right after I do a mean thing, uh, I feel sad. I feel almost teary, uh, and I have to go apologize to the actress. It was yesterday. I apologized to Alison Brie. Uh, I guess I guess we're, she's uh, you know she's in character. I'm in character. But right after I get out of the character, I got to go check in, make sure uh, everything's okay because uh, that's who I am. I'm a, apparently a uh, male menopausal 53 year old man. I'm okay with it. I can only assume that it's a good thing. Today on the show, Margot Price, the amazing I'm going to say country music artist, though she is not a mainstream country music artist. Her record is. Uh, her solo record um, is on uh, Third Man Records, Midwest Farmer's Daughter. She had a couple of records I just got with her other band called uh, Buffalo Clover was the name of her other band that I learned about during the conversation you will hear momentarily. And those records are fucking great. I just, I love her voice. I love her songwriting. I don't know... Yeah, I don't. I don't love all country music, obviously, but I like a lot of it. Uh, and I, I didn't come. I, it's not something I kind of grew up with. It. I mean, I grew up in New Mexico. It was certainly around. There were definitely cowboys around. There was definitely country music around the state fair. I remember growing up, and every year it would be country music people: Roy Clark, Buck Owens, Waylon, Willie, Chris, George, Dottie. I, I believe that they all were there. At some point at the Albuquerque State Fair, but it wasn't really my bag. Though I do have some cowboy in me, and I and I think some of you know that. I, I, I have a strange, eclectic background. 
Listener emails, Kamasi, subject line. Dear Mark, thank you for having Kamasi Washington on your show. I listened to your show, which led me to listen to the epic, which led me to Google his tour dates, which led me to sitting in the third row at a show last night. Loved it. I loved it. Thank you, Stephanie. You're welcome, Stephanie. My menstrual cycle and Mark, hey, want to hear something funny? I can tell when I'm about to start my period sometimes when I listen to your show. It's when you say boomer lives at the end. If I get sad and sometimes even tear up, then I know it's coming soon and it's pissed. Too much? Oh, well, you are my spirit animal, Lindsay M. You're welcome. I'm glad I can help you know when your period is coming. That's a service I didn't know I provided for anybody. But I, but I appreciate knowing that. So, country music. Margot Price, I don't know, man. It, it's just something about her voice, something about the production and the, and the playing. That, like, I, when I put that record on from Third Man, that first one, or the, the, her solo record, Midwest Farmer's Daughter, it's just one of those things where you put a record on and you're like, this is the real shit. And I've listened to it so many times. And it was one of those... It was one of these guests that I have here sometimes where I'm just like in awe and happy that we're talking. And I kept thinking about what I was going to talk to her, how I was, how, how do you start a conversation? And then I started thinking about when I was very young, when my family moved from Alaska to Albuquerque, I lived in the basement with my brother. There was a, it was a basement of a house in Albuquerque. It was like 1972 probably 1973 my mom put shag carpeting in there uh, painted the cabinets there was wood paneling they let me have some pretty devious posters really for a 10 year old i had the uh, black light sexual positions poster i don't know why they let me have it they were not great parents but they were permissive so that was cool i had easy rider i had uh, dennis hopper on the chopper flipping the bird i had that what else did i have down there yeah, and it was years later, and there were two rooms down there. There was like another room that had linoleum floor that we didn't use much. It didn't really happen. I used to you know, uh, fuck around with my chemistry set in that room, but uh, a couple of years after we were living there, my mother's cousin Jay found there was all these drugs up in the lights that the people from the who'd lived there before had stashed up there. I didn't know. I didn't know about drugs. But uh, and I didn't know about sexual positions and I didn't really understand uh, Easy Rider, but I was 10 and and that was what was sinking in. I mean, this was 1972. This is what pop culture was sending, you know, the messages to my brain with. I mean, the first records I bought a mountain record. I had Jethro Tull's Aqualung. I had the Beatles uh, second album. Um, But most importantly, there was this box of cassettes. My parents had this old Iowa cassette player that had detachable speakers and I inherited it somehow, and it was downstairs, and they had a box of cassettes, and in that box of cassettes was Bobby Gentry's Ode to Billy Joe and uh, Johnny Cash live at San Quentin, and and that was the, the Bobby Gentry record was definitely the Ode to Billy Joe record. So I, so I had these two, these two cassettes, and I remember playing compulsively A Boy Named Sue, Folsom City Blues and Ode to Billy Joe. And that I believe was my first real connection with country music and those were those were pretty good ones. 
for a nine-year-old who just had a box of uh, cassettes because there were other, there was Jerry Vale's greatest hits in there. I didn't get involved with that. Maybe I listened to uh, uh, God Didn't Make Little Green Apples and It Don't Rain in Indianapolis in the Summertime. I, th- I believe that was on there. I, th- I thought it, it was catchy. Also in that box was Cosmos Factory. So Bobby Gentry, Ode to Billy Joe, Johnny Cash Live at San Quentin, and Credence Clearwater's Cosmos Factory which had uh, Up Around the Bend, which has one of the most searing, beautiful guitar pieces. Like that, those three records. So that's at the core of of who I am and my understanding of country music. And so I decided that Bobby Gentry, and I've got a few Bobby Gentry albums now on vinyl, I for some reason wanted to talk to Margot Price about Bobby Gentry, and that turned out not to be a bad idea. Also... I remember watching the end of uh, the Porter Wagner show before Walt Disney, before Disney uh, be on Sunday nights, I believe, Porter Wagner show. I remember watching Hee Haw. I remember, and not that these are like make any difference, but I'm just trying to figure out when it started to integrate into my brain. Obviously, a lot of the music I like now is country and country related, but it was around, you know. My father, when he had a secret life, used to you know go western dancing. We found out later at the caravan in Albuquerque. It's a big yeah. There was a lot. I remember the the square dancing thing that was happening. But uh, I guess I should talk a little bit more about when I had a horse. It wasn't my horse. It was assigned to me, and uh, I went to several camps when I was a kid. Uh, I was. Uh, it wasn't so much that my parents wanted me to do exciting things. Maybe they did, but I think they wanted me out of the house. And over the course of my childhood i went to a tennis camp i went on a teen tour which is a a sort of strange jewish expedition of uh mostly teenagers from the five towns in long island and i somehow ended up amongst them um barren teen tours so yeah i went on a teen tour i went to a tennis camp and i went to uh i eventually went to a music and arts camp which was the best camp for me but the first camp i went to was brush ranch in pecos new mexico where we had to have our own stetson hat and we had to show up with fishing rods and we had to be willing to shoot guns and we had to have uh jeans certain levi's we needed levi's had to put your name and everything but i think the most uh telling thing was the cowboy hat we needed cowboy boots Gil, this weird cowboy that was in charge of the horses, um, he taught us how to fold our hat, so it pointed down the top and bent down, and it looked cool. It looked cool. We had to bend up those fucking Stetsons. I uh, learned how to, uh, some people were asking me, because I passively said, I know how to tie flies. Part of the uh, fly fishing was part of the brush ranch experience. I did some, uh, we learned how to tie flies. You had your little your little vice, and you had your little hook, and then you had your little feathers and stuff, and we tied some flies. They were clunky, but, you know, fish doesn't fucking know, really. But I learned how it's done, and it was interesting and exciting. It was not something I pursued for a life. I uh, learned how to shoot shotguns and also load shotgun shells. think I owe an apology to this dorky, annoying douchebag from Texas named Jeff, uh, who me and a couple other the guys, uh, when we were loading shotgun shells, put a double load of powder and a very little shot into one of Jeff's shells, just to see him get knocked on his ass by the shotgun. He was okay. It was funny, but I feel bad about it now, and this might be part of the reason that I'm crying occasionally. So sorry, Jeff. I hope you're okay. It was very funny, though. So, yeah, 
in a in a pinch if you gave me the machine i could load a shotgun shell i believe you put the powder in and then the wad and then the shot and then you seal that fucker so we shot some skeet shot some 22s didn't shoot any animals um felt a couple of vaginas up there uh, at night and then she went on to a day, to be with some other dude who was a friend of mine at camp that was not good heartbreaking but the cowboy element so yeah i had the hat <laughs> anyway has nothing to do with country music i just wanted to share my uh bona fides my bona fides uh of having some country past and you know and i, I wore the boots for a long time though they shifted from uh cowboy boots to rock and roll boots man so as a grown man i've grown to appreciate country music it was always around and now i like it even more i had sturgill simpson on this show and um now i believe uh this is if there is somebody equally as important in modern country music as sturgill seems to be if not even a, a little more important on some level to me uh only because i'm enamored and amazed by her singing and songwriting it's margo price you can get margo's debut album midwest farmer's daughter it's on third man records she does play a song at the end she's amazing i'm gonna talk to her right now me and margo price Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature. And now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Foxed Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Foxed Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcast. That's how you record your ideas when you're at home. You just get the tape rolling. Well, we used to, but we haven't we haven't re uh-huh. done a studio. I mean, we just sold everything we had. We had like a nice console and when was microphones. This? this was like maybe two years ago. You and your husband, ago. yeah. What's his name? Me and my old man, Jeremy Ivy. And he's in the band. Well, he was. And then, oh, my God. You're <clears throat> kicking your husband yeah, out of the band? He, he dislocated his finger right, Get, before, right before SNL, which was really? a bummer. So yeah. who stepped in? Um, this guy named Kevin Black. He, uh-huh. he played with uh, Sturgill Simpson for a while. I talked to Sturgill Simpson. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good one. Yeah. He's, I know Stu. I know Stu. Stu? <clears throat> yep. Is that what you call him? Stu. <laughs> well, now I listened to... Um, I like you. Hey, thanks. I like you too. I don't like many people. <laughs> is that true? <laughs> it is. <laughs> but like, uh, I I don't know how I got the record. It might have come in a package, and I and I had it for a while, 
and I didn't like, you know, I didn't fully take it in. Yeah. And then I put it on again a little while ago and it was like, holy shit, she's time traveling. <laughs> <laughs> she's a time traveling wizard. Born in the wrong age, I think. Well, sometimes. I don't know, I, I guess, but I, I mean, there's a purity to it that that, that type of uh, music should, should transcend time. Yeah, hopefully, right? hopefully, you know, good music is. And there's a, there's sadness, you have the built-in sadness. Yeah. <laughs> The eternal sadness. Yeah, you tap into the eternal. See, not everyone has it though. Yeah, there's a lot of fakers. Yeah, the a lot little, of phony, the, sad the people. The whiny uh, emo. Something. There's just people that that, yes. that use the old styles, but don't have the real the the eternal pain. Yeah, and there, there's a lot of people out there that you know do the the throwback traditional right. stuff, but they're also scared of like throwing a you know phaser in there or yeah, you know, like yeah. you get you can't just do the old-timey music and expect people to think that wow, you're this is great you know right you're it, just regurgitating right shit that's already been done right you can't use it as a gimmick right right yeah and that's what i felt that and i felt that with sturgill too to a degree you know that there was a respect for the sound for the structure of those type of songs but also for the production of you know what was i think most people think real country yeah and being able to take a risk you know yeah really not what do you see the afraid. risk as being to to do that to produce like that? Yeah, I mean the the opening track on the album "Hands of Time." Oh, it's sad. Yeah, it's a sad one. It's uh gets me every time. It's one of those that gets me every time song. Yeah, I <laughs> I don't play that every night either because sometimes audiences are just not really. You know what are they kids? Are you looking at kids usually? No, I mean it's you know it just has to be the right vibe if if people are like too drunk or something oh you don't want to be it, then I, yeah it's like i don't want to sing that if there's if it's a really loud so you need to get to a place in your own heart and in that moment to right. sing that yeah and and, and and you don't want to be interrupted by someone going ow exactly <laughs> i love you <laughs> you know it's like uh well that's good to hear that yeah. you can't autopilot through you can't do it some nights some nights you feel it and some nights you don't. And But with that song in the production, when I was writing it, I actually wrote it on piano, but uh, my my husband was playing bass on the record and, and my drummer, Dylan Napier, they Dylan put a, a what he calls a Wu-Tang drum beat on uh -huh. the beginning of that. Yeah. And first, I was kind of unsure of it. And then the more I listened to it, I realized that it you know kind of took the song somewhere else and it, it wasn't just, you know, another right. like, folky. Right. Yeah, I don't know so, if I, 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 now I'm going to have to listen to for the Wu-Tang. Boom, boom, boom. Oh, right, right. <laughs> yeah, it's just got a little funky groove in there. But that's happened. Like, I mean, that's like, you know, like I keep thinking when I was a kid, I had like these, uh, this box of cassettes that I inherited from my parents. And one of them was Bobby Gentry. Yes. Ode to Billy Joe. So good. That album. So good. And that, like that song has a, like a, uh, there's has, a funk yeah, element yeah, to it. Yeah, she, right? she's got so much good stuff. Uh, Lordy made a woman out of me. I mean, she just did it differently. You yeah, know? right. And, and it, she was a little groovier. The, yeah, 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 yeah. And the uh, uh, the Mississippi song, Mississippi Delta. Yeah, yeah. So, so good, so brilliant. Yeah, and I and, and I think having seen that movie when I was a little kid and what they did to that song, and the, did you ever see the movie? No. It's brutal. It's uh, it's what's the kid's name? Bobby. Uh, oh, what is, what's that actor? It's just name? based off the whole song. Kinda? It's a little bit. There's I. Uh, well, it's a, I don't think so. Okay. Well, no, it is, but I don't know that all of it's in there because there's Billy Joel McAllister in the movie 
get sort of like, you know, gang raped by a bunch of hillbillies. Whoa. <laughs> that's heavy. <laughs> that's not in the song. This this yeah. guy played by I'm forgetting his name. Well, but it's like you kind of never know why she, you know, why no, he Right. Well, they just speculated, I guess. Yeah. I, or or maybe they they wrote the movie and decided, now I got to know the guy's I name. I know. What I love about that song too is in the in the verses she's just talking about like sitting around the dinner table, yeah. you know, chewing the food and yeah. it's so mundane. It captures like the mundane moments of being around the family table and I feel like Bob Dylan took inspiration from that song he did this really uh, bizarre tune called Clothesline Hanging Saga uh-huh. it was during basement tapes it's the same thing he's just talking about his mother being outside and some guy passing by and they talk politics and then right. you know it's, and you think he, yeah, he was listening? I, I feel like that was inspired by. Well, he's by that definitely song. Uh, he's definitely a sponge. There's no. Yeah, yeah. It, it's one of his best attributes, I think, yeah. or his worst. It's probably the we best. Say amateurs the borrow professional steel. <laughs> Dylan just uh, becomes. Yeah, he, he just becomes. He, he absorbs and manifests. Yeah. <laughs> so, but that song, but you. I'm glad that we talked about Bobby because, like, I, I guess I sent something about like and i didn't think it would come through that song but i there is a funk kind of element to her yeah yeah i mean definitely for you she produced a lot of her own shit too like she put out a lot of her own records that's her picking the guitar too on there she was you know good did you ever is she around you know it was just her birthday um she's 72 june 27th right if you're out there bobby i love you isn't that (laughs) isn't that interesting though that like this like a very a very prominent sort of artist and no yeah. one really knows because usually with country people they yeah. keep going forever exactly <laughs> you can't kill us yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if we don't a, kill ourselves exactly <laughs> a mixture a mixture of both yeah but um yeah i wonder where she's i wonder I where she lives reach out to her like there's part of like i don't know that i listened to country when i was a kid except for that bobby gentry record and oh and another one of those cassettes was johnny cash live at san quentin yeah so i had yeah. those two when i was like really young just because they were in a box of cassettes exactly but, but in albuquerque like because we had rodeo and we had the state fair and it was always country acts coming through yeah but uh, so it was always there in the background but, but it was you were not. like i don't well, no it's just my parents weren't into it and when i was a kid i'm 52 so what i was listening i you know listen to skinnerd yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like when I was in junior high, it's like Skinner's good. Yeah. It's just what I grew up with. Great classic towny, yeah. you know, rock. Well, oddly enough, I grew up listening to a lot of rap. I mean. Well, how old are you? are 20, like 20 years younger than me. What are you, 30 something? 33. 33? Yeah. So yeah, so you're, you're, that was popular music when you were like in yeah. junior high and shit. Yeah. And that was your thing? I mean, Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg. <laughs> it's good stuff. <laughs> But where'd you grow up? Let's uh, let's get into the anatomy of that heartbreaking song. Because when, like, even my girlfriend was like, "This has really happened to her," and I'm like, "Yeah, I think it all happened to yeah. her." <laughs> Couldn't make it up if I tried. Um, I grew you, up, yeah, tiny little town, um, like three thousand six hundred people, and it was just three and a half hours west of Chicago, so on the Mississippi bordering in Illinois. Uh, yeah, Illinois. It was right by Iowa, but we were on the Illinois side. Yeah. And uh, my folks lived outside of the town. They lived north of the, of the town. It was called Alito. Yeah. And uh, But we lived just about a mile from this other town that was called Hamlet. And the sign is still there. It says, Hamlet, population 34. Really? Did you take a picture of <laughs> Not it? Not a lot of culture. I do have a photo of it somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> that seems like it's, you should use it somewhere. Yeah. it's uh, you know, there's And there's no town there anymore? It's still a town, but it's just a church a and shell? some houses. Oh, so there was no like... 
three-store Main Street. Yeah, I mean, my town had one stoplight, Alito did, and they had a, a Hardee's and a Walmart and, you know. Oh, really? And and then Walmart happened. That was a huge deal. And that was kind of when. Probably employed half the town. Yeah, <laughs> it did. <laughs> well, and it, they needed it, too, because that was when the uh, the farming crisis happened. Right. And, uh, you know, my family, my grandfather and all his brothers and all their sons, they all lost the farm. And it was kind of right around the time that walmart came in and all you know uh the shift the, uh, yeah the crooked bankers and um well what happened what they farm they farmed uh mostly corn and and uh, soybeans and cattle a little bit of cattle but um so you grew up with that for generations like that was your family that was that was the yeah and where they all come from originally what's the roots um you do you know I mean, like Irish, German, oh, yeah. so just I'm a mutt of oh, yeah. a lot of different things. But um, yeah, and there, my, I mean, my, my grandmother still lives in the town. My folks still live in the town. In Alito? In Alito. Yeah. yeah. I think they're going to put up a sign for me when you go. <laughs> Maybe a street. <laughs> yeah, who knows? <laughs> Are they happy for you? Yeah, they're happy for me. Yeah? Yeah. Were they always? <laughs> uh, my, you know, my mom was always um, hopeful. <laughs> <laughs> She's always real hopeful. Um, kept a positive attitude. God bless her. And so, but like, what's going on in a town like like three thousand some odd? That's as many people that were in my high school. Yeah, and I didn't come from a big town, but that's like a real small town. So y'all kind of yeah. knew each other. Y'all went to all the grades together. Oh, was... Y'all watched each other get fucked up on drugs and die yeah. and go to jail. Exactly. And maybe get out. Yep. That Suicides kind of and uh, just I mean boredom does terrible things to people. Uh huh. Because. There was, you know, there just wasn't any culture. There, there was like a little movie theater in town, but they sh- only showed one movie, and it would run for like two weeks. Like a mainstream movie. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't even, I don't even know. Right. I saw there, saw Mr. Holland's opus there. That's there. You odd go. Memory. Little, little Richard Dreyfus. That might have yeah. had a profound impact. I mean, that yeah, was that was kind of the only thing you specific. could do. And but then otherwise, you just would drive around on the back roads and drink beer. Yeah. And smoke pot. And yeah. And park. You know, yeah. And then someone and would play the music through their car speakers. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> We'd cruise the loop in the main town, and then the cops would like pull you over and say you'd made too many loops and you had to. And you knew the cop. You knew the cop. Um, I mean, people sat at home, listened to their police scanner. When, you know, right. So everyone right. knew right. someone was getting in trouble. Right. It would be in the paper. <laughs> so and so was arrested with two grams of marijuana and some paraphernalia. <laughs> It was always... And everyone knew who it was. Yeah, yeah. Was, then you'd be, yeah, labeled the... Pothead, uh, the, the, the outcast, problem. yeah. For, Were you an outcast? Um, I would go kind of back and forth. You but, dated some outcasts? Yeah, I sure did. <laughs> a vandal. I dated a vandal for six years. <laughs> when, um, when you were in high school? When I was in high school, yeah. Um, he was a sweet guy. Sweet vandal? Sweet vandal. Where's that you know, song? He was, that's a good one. <laughs> we got to get out my notebook here. Sweet um, vandal. So, yeah, it was... But how be, how much of a vandal could you be? I mean, you're not, you, like, how far was the next town? I mean, you had to rob people you knew. Yeah, or, you, had to, you had to really be careful. Um, I remember that there was a party that was thrown outside of my parents' house, and they nobody it didn't get busted, but yeah. there were photos of the party, and people had beers in their hands, and they actually got they all got taken to court for and, drinking outside. and charged with the photos, saying, "Well, you had a beer in your hand, and you're 16, so you're oh. getting a oh, underage really? drinking ticket." Yes, 
So this was, but your parents weren't home or it was somewhere near? Well, I didn't get a go. My mom kept a pretty short leash on me, which uh-huh. she could. Oh, so it was near your parents' It was house. right near my, my folks' house. All my friends got busted. Another time there was a party. That, from the picture? From the picture. How'd they get the that's picture? That's not, that's how did not. how they get the picture? That, that can't be legal. No, but how did they get it? I don't know. I mean, there was, you know, blackmail shit like that would happen. It was just a, a corrupt little town in ways, you know. So wait, so some cop's kid took a picture? And then, it, and yeah, then, it got... And the town needed money that bad that they had to fine a bunch <laughs> of 16-year-olds for drinking beer? I mean, it's the kind of town where, you know, there was this couple people high up and they were given tax breaks right. to their relatives to start businesses. And then all of a sudden, everybody wondered where the money went. And, of course, they found out. It all funneled through the relatives? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, this the same guy that was doing that for his relatives, he was the the crooked banker who kind of took the farm, fucked things over for the farm. So, you know, hopefully he will get his uh, (laughs) his karma karma. will come back to him. And yeah. So when you were in high school, like um, you didn't get into so much trouble that it destroyed your life then. No, no, I waited until I got to college because, like I said, my parents kept a pretty, pretty tight leash. And um, then, you know, I think with a lot of Americans, you all of a sudden have this newfound freedom and then you start binge drinking. And so you were a, a boozer making a lot of bad decisions. Yeah. When did you start playing, though? What were your what were your sort of uh, things when you were in high school, aside from driving around, drinking beer, smoking weed with vandals? Yeah. I, uh, listening to rap music, listening to my rap music. Um I picked up a guitar, I think, when I was 12, and I'd played piano prior, but I, I didn't like my piano teacher, so none of that really stuck. But you, but um, you still write on piano sometimes. Yeah, I do. I do. I wrote "Hands of Time" on on piano. Uh huh. Um, but yeah, it was just we would. I would cruise around in the car and have my guitar with me, and uh, I was what were one you of the singing? only ones. Oh, Come I mean, on, go ahead. Yeah, I, 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 to save myself, I will preface that you know i love tom petty and the statler brothers and but i i did like jewel a lot when she first came out and i liked i liked her album pieces of you because it was just really different than everything else you don't have to feel bad for that and yeah no jewel jewel was great that first album she was, was earnest amazing. She, yeah she spoke her heart she, she did played. yeah she had a broken nose one. she didn't care about getting fixed <laughs> i feel you jewel <laughs> and you were you were exactly her market just sad, isolated teenage girls in <laughs> oh. the middle of nowhere. Yep, yep. Emotionally and geographically. Probably reached me like two, three years later after it reached the rest of the world. Oh, really? Like everything in the Midwest, fashion. But wasn't she like from Alaska? Yeah, yeah. Like up Hell there. of a yodeler too. I remember, like I liked her. I, I think yeah. that... I think she uh, she had the unfortunate fate of people getting tired of her for some reason. Yeah. Some people just, I don't know what it is culturally well, where people just sort of like, Bleh. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, yeah. She maybe didn't change with the times. Maybe. I, I don't know. I I was a little um, disappointed in her book of poems, but that's- <laughs> It's hard, man. Yeah, I mean, are, they're hard to sell. Poems are hard to sell. Yeah. I'm thinking about putting putting out a book of poems myself. Maybe are you? I better wait on that. <laughs> Make sure they're good. After the third record, do that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> do you write poems? I do, yeah. Yeah? I wrote a really um, sad six-page poem the other day. I'll, wow. I'll share it with you when we're done here. Really? It's, it's just about the decline of humanity and oh. uh, it's really uplifting. Yeah. Is, it, um, is it free verse or rhymed or... Yeah, it's mostly just free verse. Just went for it? Just, yeah, just word vomit. Well, how do you, like, what differentiates, uh, well, obviously, structurally, a a song is different than a poem, but do you start without it necessarily being a song? 
When you so, write? Sometimes I do. Sometimes I'll just be writing, and then if it's a good enough poem, I'll turn it into a song. Right. But uh, other times it's just there's nothing that can be done with it, and it's just going to be a bunch of crap on a page. That, but it feels better. Yeah. Once it's out of you, it's exactly. out of you. It's such a, yeah. a purging yeah, I scribble shit all write. the time. Yeah, when yeah. I'm do, when I'm writing comedy ideas, it's never a joke. It's always an idea. It's always on a post-it. Yep. It's always while I'm driving. How do you keep track of all that stuff? Then I, to put not, it into no a, good. I, I'm not good. No, because <laughs> no, like no matter how many times I transcribe it, my writing still sucks. So I can't even trust my own interpretation of, of me. What it was? Yeah, like just doctor's become, handwriting. Yeah, yeah, it becomes very challenging. Sometimes I'll type it up, but there's something about you know I've sat down and done it. You know, transcribe stuff and and written stuff out, and then like I, I lose interest in it. Like I know it's there, mm-hmm. but like once it's written down and fully, I'm like, mm. mm-hmm. I, but I I'm not writing songs. I'd like yeah. to write a song. Do you ever Let's write do, a song? Really? How do we just do it? Yeah, we'll 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 take some stuff yeah. after we get down at the end here. What was the Vandal song? Sweet Vandal. Sweet Vandal. Yeah, yeah. that's good. (laughs) (laughs) I hope it becomes, I'd like to be part of that. All right, I'll give you, I'll give you 10% co-write. I don't want any money. I just want. (laughs) I just want to slash Maron. Maron In the credits, Mark Maron suggested the title. I like that. During Uh, our conversation. (laughs) (laughs) What kind, well, what was that guy up to at the Vandal? I don't know. He went on this tear of the town one night where he just destroyed a bunch of shit. I don't, I can't remember if he was like egging cars and um he like ripped down somebody's basketball court wow this is the no. saddest outlaw song in the, i mean it's, it's like, like the not, most immature outlaw he smashed like, like 200 pumpkins from the guy who like makes pumpkins and and sells them during halloween oh this and is i not, like knew about it and then the cops were questioning me Did about your the boyfriend pumpkin? smashed the pumpkins out of duncan's pumpkins come on <laughs> It's already rhyming. It's, it's good. We got we got material. But I, for I can't, he's not going to really become some sort of outlaw tragic hero with, yeah, the, yeah. with the crimes that you've. Well, there were probably more bad things he did. Um, I think it's sort of a funny take on like a, a song about like a, an outlaw, but it's really all these childish things. Yeah, to, to write yeah. like a classic kind of outlaw ballad, but it's just about a guy who eggs some shit and smashed some pumpkins. Yeah, not really that bad of a guy. <laughs> and and he, he didn't end up in jail. He just ended up like an insurance salesman or something. Like He this. totally is just... You know, just a two guy? kids now, nice house, just the, regular guy. That would be the funniest outlaw ballad in the world. Like, what happened to that guy? He actually straightened out much quicker than I did. Uh, you know, I had to take the long way around. Oh, so uh, that's good. You didn't end up yeah. with a real outlaw. Yeah. You could have, I guess. Maybe yeah. there just wasn't any around. Yeah, there's a... Uh, there's slim pickings, you know, and you got 77 people in your graduating class. <laughs> and you knew all of them. You knew all of them. Everyone knew and everyone lost their virginity. Business. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> and when they didn't and someone said they did, all that yeah. gossip. Yep. So when when you write songs, do you ever like, because I've been listening to, like I just recently transitioned into actually listening to songs, the words. Yeah. Like yeah. I was always like a riff guy, melody guy. Like totally. I did And choruses somewhat, you mm-hmm. know? And Don't can, bore us, get to the chorus. <laughs> who's, whose advice is that? I Maybe Tom Petty's. It came off that Tom Petty documentary. <laughs> you know, there, it's really hard to find someone that doesn't like Tom Petty. But some people don't some quite people don't. give him the credit that he deserves. Yeah, I mean, he's... Everyone likes him, but then if you really like... He wrote so many fucking songs. He did. And you know them all. Yeah. And they're, they're great. They're so memorable, and but just not contrived. 
Yep. I remember the first time I heard a Last Dance with Mary Jane. I was so young. I didn't know what it meant, but I just thought it was the coolest fucking song I'd ever heard. Yeah. And it it was just it's a it was a nice escape from the you know from the town. Yeah, he wrote a couple of good country songs too. He wrote that Mystery Man, Mystery Man on the first record, mm-hmm. which is yeah. beautiful. Have yeah. you watched that documentary? No. You got to check it out. It's like a day long, right? Yeah. I didn't want it to end though. I it was like 2 3 in the morning and my husband was like, "We got to go to sleep." No. no, keep watching. But do you ever write like a chorus, does a chorus come to your head first? Do you like hooks like that? Sometimes. Actually, just got this um, this custom guitar from Fender that they they made. They put my name down the neck in like a pearl Get inlay. Really, it's the coolest thing I've ever seen. It's so heavy. Oh, it's a Telecaster, and I'm I'm used to playing like lightweight guitar, but it's I've a weighty been, Telecaster. Yeah, so, so they must have made it out of the big. It's the, the heavy rosewood. Wood. Yeah, and. Uh, so I've been writing licks on that. I feel like it's changed, you know, yeah. kind of changed the way I'm playing some lead. Yeah, playing some lead, trying to <laughs> trying to work at it, you know. Yeah, I feel like you hit a level on guitar, and then you're like, all right, just no. I've stop been sitting at it, and I don't play professionally. So like, you know, I've been you got licks, man. I, I got licks. You yeah, got I licks. Can, yeah, I can play. Yeah, I, I do. You got more licks than me. I know, but like, but you got to do it every night. Like, I'm always amazed when I have musicians in here, and like, you know, we sit there and they'll play a song. And they'll just nail it. And I'm like, what the fuck? And then you realize like, oh, that's their job. Yeah. That's what they do. Well, I like hire people to play my licks. And then I just. No, but you guys, when you sit down and play a song, you know, you've got a lot of hours in it. Yeah. I don't have those muscles of performing a whole night on stage or playing with other people. Very easy to sit in here. And and, (laughs) And noodle. Noodle. Yeah. That's one of my favorite, favorite phrases. Noodling. Yeah. I had this uh, jazz drummer who was like real meticulous guy. Who was in the studio with you? Uh, No, we were just on the road and we were like setting up. We were actually just playing in a parking lot. Doc Weiler Beach. Uh Uh-huh. I don't know where that is. It's in in Los Angeles. Oh, yeah? It was the first time I was ever here and we were living in a 1986 Winnebago. And uh, Here? Yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. We got to get back to the story. Yeah. We we stopped before we even went to college and now we're at Winnebago. Now we're at Winnebago. (laughs) Yeah, living like a dirty hippie. We were in this parking lot and because we didn't have that many great shows. And so we thought, we'll just set up and play here for the people at the trailer park. Yeah. And uh, my my bass player was like, you know, warming up a little bit. And yeah. the drummer said, if we could actually, could we keep the noodling to a minimum? <laughs> so we say that on stage a lot. <laughs> keep the noodling. <laughs> the control freak. Guy. Yeah, yeah. So, where, so you graduated high school. You're mm-hmm. playing a little guitar, playing some jewel, writing some poetry. <laughs> Hanging out with pumpkin smashers. <laughs> You're getting out all these things no one's ever heard. Parents parents had you on a short leash, but yep. you found time to drive around and drink beer and listen to, to rap music. Yep. But, so what do you, when you go to college, what are you going to, do you just want to get out or you got a plan? Just wanted to get out. I um, didn't really know what I wanted to major in. My mom was like, you should be in communications and do wow. advertising that vague communication yeah the yeah. vague communications thing what'd she do your mom so she's a, a teacher well she was a teacher she's retired now mm-hmm. she taught uh third grade for years and oh years. that's like that's probably a pleasant experience they're not yeah. they're not fucked up in third grade yet yeah 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 the kids <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah not a, <laughs> your mom and, uh, is a, not a question <laughs> she's she's wonderful um <laughs> But, she, uh, was she a loopy teacher? She was a little loopy. You know, she's sleep deprived. She um, mm-hmm. 
she always said, don't be a teacher because you don't get paid enough. for all. And I, she would pay me to uh, grade her papers. It would be like, I'll give you $10 if you will grade these papers. Was it, she knew there wasn't a big uh, risk of plagiarism or any of that with third grade papers. Yeah, yeah. I, it was I just could, grammar. could spot it. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I, you know, I, I did communications for a year. And then I started playing more guitar, listening to Zeppelin. Um, and then the, the next year I majored in uh, theater and dance and, uh, really? Yeah, I did dance I dance. Yeah. I had been, uh, thrown into dance when I was like three years old. Ballet. Yeah. Ballet, tap, jazz, gymnastics, cheerleading. Um, you were a cheerleader. American dream. Yeah. You were a cheerleader. Yeah, I was. Were you the head cheerleader? I was, mm. and then um, now see like that tarnishes my image. But I'll, yeah, I'll get, I know it's but dirty secret. Get, but but um, hopefully, like you get really messed up in a few minutes. Yeah, well, I got you know I got blackmailed my senior year. Blackmailed? Uh, what is this blackmail? This is thing? the town. I'm telling you. But like what? Like well, we had we had taken this photo um, in our sports bras, uh-huh. like in the cheerleading uniform, uh-huh. and the day of like our senior um, senior night or whatever we were supposed to you know do like. Have you know everybody give you flowers and say thanks yeah, for your yeah, service? You right. know, and your uh, service as a cheerleader. As a cheerleader you know, Thank you. Thanks for, for being objectified <laughs> and you know out there on the front lines of high school sports. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know where we'd be without our where country owes be? you. Yeah, and uh, it was the, these photos got sent to the principal and and they were like, you can't do the senior night. So then there were all these ugly rumors going around that we were all um, having a big orgy and we were naked in the photos. And this is the stuff that goes on in the town and people sure. actually believed it. Small you know? towns love that. Oh, you're all lesbians. and we're, It's a photo of us in our sports bras. Um, anyway, yeah. so... Really? So it got that out of hand? It's so funny because yeah, our entire culture is driven by that garbage now, but it used totally. to be a, a small town yeah. thing. It's like one person like stole the photo out of our locker and then people started sending it around on the internet and then, and then it got sent to the principal and... So I, I left uh, high school with just, uh, I really wanted to get out of that town because there was just so much gossip. And, and so you were a, a lesbian who had orgies I mean, with yeah. other cheerleaders. I didn't even know that about myself. <laughs> I go to college. I cheered for one year on a scholarship. And then I, a scholarship for cheerleading? Mm-hmm. It was a Big Ten school. So you you could move. You you could probably like if you needed to. Yeah. Could do some flips and stuff. But <laughs> And I started smoking a lot of pot. And listening to Zeppelin yeah. and playing more guitar. And that was and erasing the cheerleading? It was erased it all. I tripped on, I had my first like mushroom trip and uh. saw the whole world in a different place, you know, like listen to the White Album. and Oh my God. And was like, I Old don't want to be a, you know, a, a cheerleader or a, a dancer anymore. Um, really? And so then, yeah, then I... Revolution number nine just blasted exactly. that out of you? <laughs> Thank God it did. <laughs> That's what you got? <laughs> you know, I think when you're, when you're... When you're young and you're impressionable and, you know, you just want to, at least I, sure. I did, I wanted to, you know, please everybody and, well, I I should be a dancer and I should wear red lipstick and blue eyeshadow. So you're really, you know, really looking at the sort of career cheerleader possibility. No, no. I mean, I, you know, I, I loved working with children. I, I liked to teach dance and I did that for years. Um, you taught dance even to kids? After, yeah, I did. Um, so even you, after I moved to Nashville, I, I taught dance on the side, but I used like really cool music for my for my dance. It would be like a three-year-old class. And I'm like, all right, now we're going to tap dance to Sid Barrett's Effervescing Elephant. They must and like so, the sound of that. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> I don't know that song. Effervescing Elephant. Oh, oh, right, right. So they um, must have loved that. But yeah, it was, you know, and I, I'd use like, Tori Amos songs and but 
nobody, none of the moms really understood what I was doing, probably because I was teaching in like Green Hills in Nashville. What is that? Like a, just a very wealthy. Uh, wealthy yeah, they what? wanted me to do like Sugar Plum Fairy Christmas show. Right. Oh, and right. That was yeah. definitely not what was you're going opening on. minds. You're just blowing minds. Yeah. Well, it's good that like you were tripping and you listened to the White Album and you, you what your big thing was like. You know, there's no truth in cheerleading. It, I mean, whereas, it just felt like such a hollow. Right. And Charlie you know. Manson took a much different message out of the White Album. <laughs> that album's got a Yikes. lot of range. <laughs> yeah. In terms yeah. of what it can do to the hallucinating mind. It's very true. <laughs> I was, you know, I was, I was just glad that I, uh, I, I just kind of changed. Changed horses midstream there, and um, but so like then started with, you know ahead. doing the theater and dance and uh, with dance was it they, were you seeing it as because like I, I I'm curious about dance a lot of times because when you think about and I've never had this question answered and I don't know that you can answer it that you know there like there's a pretty limited a number of gigs for oh, dancers yeah yeah so I have to assume that is something that you integrate into your general sense of creativity because like I mean what are you really going to do as a dancer I mean you could become a like you know, the Rockettes or you know there's some TV shows yeah. and, and you could be a background dancer for a a uh, a, a pop act yeah, yeah like it seems like it's a small pool well and, and my sister is a dancer still she uh she does like you know aerial stuff hanging like from the de ceiling de yeah oh, yeah the, she does and the... she goes around on cruise ships and she's like traveled to germany and all you know so all your sister's wonderful... a professional dancer yeah. slash uh acrobat does she do the thing with the the rope yeah the ropes oh and the, yeah the silks and the hoops and silks. she's really talented and um just you one know, sister I've, i have two my, my other one is like a computer science whiz uh she is big up in a company and really you know, very different than me, but very successful. And um, who's oldest? I'm the oldest. Yeah. And you have a little sister who's a professional dancer and yep. acrobat of sorts on yep. cruise ships. And you have one that's a a computer whiz. So yeah. your parents must have been relatively open minded and encouraging. It's lucky you had a teacher, yeah, a loopy teacher for a mother. Yeah. What'd your dad do after the farm? Oh, my dad, uh, he went to work in a prison. For reals, yeah. That's song. That's the song. It's in the song. It's in the song, and he um. As yeah, what? very serious, uh, very serious man. Man, a few words, but when he talks, it's always gold. <laughs> and he he scared off a lot of boys for sure. That sounds like the opening of a song as well. Yeah, yeah. Man, a few words, but when he talked, it was gold. It's gold. <laughs> <laughs> He's a he. You know, for, for a while he was he was prison guard, and he he drove the inmates back and forth from Chicago to other prisons for like, a real prison, like in Rona the fugitive. Prison? You know, the guy who's like driving yeah. the bus or whatever with the guys in um, chains. Yeah, and, but it was uh, like a grown up prison. Yeah, it Ugh. was a serious prison. That's and then, a lot to see, man. Yeah, he he saw a lot. Uh, he's got some great stories. Uh, I'll have to share one or two of those with you <laughs> if he doesn't get too mad at me. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, he and then he worked his way up. He was the lieutenant of internal affairs, so he saw some for the state crazy shit go down for the, for the state. Yeah, no shit. Yeah, that's like yeah, that's a it's a whole other world. And yeah, it's a I, I dark, don't think horrible that's like place. somewhere you want to go every day by choice. You know, no, no, no. Most <laughs> people don't. They're they're made to go there. Yeah, yeah. I was made to go there once and just wondered how he did it to prison. Yeah, yeah. My my prison songs all real. In my oh really what? yeah weekenders my prison song and I wrote it while I was in well jail went to I went to jail the Davidson right, County Jail but I was in there with all of the real 
When did that happen? That was um, maybe three years ago. Because you got fucked up? Got, yeah. Got fucked up. Made, made bad choices. For a day or was uh, it a bad well, night that got you into prison? It was or? a bad night, but it was like a, just a lot of depression that mm-hmm. led up to that. And Was that the end of it? That was definitely the turning point. I thought the prison. I better get it together right now or I'm going to lose a lot of things that really matter. Well, let's let's go back. Yeah, yeah, where were we at? I no, no, just... no, 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 no. I, I it's not a problem. I'm just like I, I like talking to you. Um so you decide not to dance because you took some mushrooms and listened to the White album. Or you decide not to be a cheerleader, but yeah. you you go full on into more expressive right like modern dance and, right um, and you can do all that stuff yeah i haven't done it in a while i mean being a musician kind of makes you like lazy and uh uh-huh. you get that musician body uh-huh. where your fingers work really well sure. but like your arms and, and your, your music doesn't necessarily call for you know the headpiece right where you i'm not doing the you're not doing mainstream country yeah i haven't <laughs> went chris Gaines yet or whatever <laughs> It's only a matter of time, man. It's you know it happens to everybody. Yeah, yeah, People just, keep saying, "Stay right. grounded, Margo." Yeah, you hit that one groove that sells. They're going to be like, "We got some ideas for you, yes, girl." Yes, we do. Yeah, line dancing. Uh huh. All of it. You're going to bring it all back. <laughs> it's your destiny. I won't tell. All right. So, all right. So you start doing that, and and what what else changes? When does the uh, the uh, imbibing start to uh... wait? Now you say you're depressive. Yeah, I've got a lot of yeah. a lot of depression. Yeah. Oddly enough. Um, when did that start showing up? I think I've kind of always been a little manic. Oh, um, manic, yeah. But not you bleak. talk a lot about like uh, like eating disorders and oh, like the yeah. pressure of that. Yeah, uh, yeah, That was definitely there with the... Um, Cheerleading? Yeah, and even that second year of college right before I dropped out, I was um, in the dance department and really diving into ballet like, you know, 10-hour days and they would have the the scales set in there so you would weigh like 10 15 pounds heavier than you actually did and they would tell you if oh you were God. looking fat so that, that what was, college uh, it was northern illinois university uh-huh. um and i did i mean i you know I, I did have some good teachers there too but um yeah all that just started to rub me the wrong way and and i was just playing more and more and then i, I took a trip to nashville on my spring break and i just thought screw it i'm I'm leaving the Midwest and you're out. I'm done. But did you? Who's coming with me? <laughs> where are my ladies at? <laughs> yep. Or bad guys? Yeah. Where's those bad guys? And so they then, came later. The bad guys. Yeah. Then I moved to Nashville. Started uh started singing in the bars by yourself, Jewel style. Yeah, yeah. Doing the I uh, get in the stool and you sign up for the the songwriter round sure. and you you know everybody does one song and you were writing songs. I was writing songs, yeah. All the way through or just that last year of college? Um, I'd been I'd been writing songs like probably even as young as seven or eight, but finally making full compositions yeah. and everything where they were more coherent at right. that point. Um, yeah. So that yeah, I really got bit by the bug and yeah. uh moved there and you know, just floundered for years. Doing that. Yeah, just kinda doing that. And then I Got louder and louder. I I started getting into the kinks a lot. Great. Which records? Oh, man. Lola versus Power Man, Muswell Hillbillies. Muswell Hillbillies. Um, I mean, there's Village just, Green Preservation yes, Society. So good. And I just, I loved their their topical approach. Kind of funny. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so that 
we decided to start this band, my husband and I. Um, the he was same just my husband? boyfriend at the time. Yeah, same one. Yeah, same guy. I've been I've been with him for thirteen years, on and off. But uh, at that time, we our our love came out of wanting to write only political songs that were like kinks inspired. Yeah. Uh, but that's a really hard sell in the South. It was you know when the the you know the Iraq War was going on. I was going to like protests. Oh yeah. In D.C. and writing right. songs called like Bloodshed uh-huh. and uh, Architects of War. Oh good. Clearing out lots of rooms because nobody <laughs> wants to hear that shit. <laughs> Especially <laughs> in, in not in Nashville, Nashville. They at were that like, time. Yeah, not at that time. That was not what was hot. I guess it's not really that hot. I mean, if you're gonna do a a political song, it better be in the in the uh, American direction. Exactly. Yeah. Let the, her leave it. Yeah. This was a questionable direction. So, yeah. The, these being were critical. These of, ideas were out there. Yeah. Yeah. Damn hippies. Yep. Yep. <laughs> the bad Socialists. ones. Socialists. Oh, yeah. That word. Communists. Oh, horrible. Oh, terrible things. But like what was, I mean, I have to assume at that time, if that's like 13 years ago, I mean, it's, it's, it's not that, it's not like it was 1975 or something, but like, I mean, Nashville had to have. There were definitely other rock bands and stuff going on. Yeah, that was really what drew me there was, you know, it had a good like kind of punk scene. But I, you know, I always felt like I was not punk enough for the punks. You know, couldn't rock and roll as hard as, you know, I and I I put down the guitar, was singing with the mic like Oh yeah. Trying to be James Brown or What'd you do Jim to your Morrison hair? Well, you had something. the moves. Were you dancing? Yeah, I mean, I'd like crawl around on the floor, yeah. like do a back bend with the mic and scream at people and jump around and uh but you always had but a singing it, voice. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. still sang. I mean, I was loved Janis Joplin, you know, in that way. So Janis was an inspiration. Yeah, she was an inspiration. We were, you know, I was um, just, stupid. I got louder and louder. I, there's this uh, Gillian Welch song. It's called I Want to Sing That Rock and Roll. She's just talking about how everybody's, she's, you know, singing so loud, but everybody's drowning her out with, so she wants to sing rock and right. roll music. And I thought, well, yeah, that's what I need to get more people to listen to me. I just need to get a big ass band. And so it grew. At first, it was just like four piece kind of punk band. And then I started getting really into soul music, added like a horn section. That's Buffalo Clover. Buffalo Clover, yeah. I, I listened got, like, to that record. Yeah, there's a, there's a, you know, some moments it's on there. It's a good there. record because you're a good singer. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> and like, it sounded good to me. I like the horns and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you were ahead of the curve. Sturgill just did that for his third record and everyone thinks he's a genius. Right. I did that. I did that like how many years ago now? And nobody heard, nobody heard any Brittany Howard sang on that one. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I thought that was going to be, I thought that was going to be the shot. I had a, a publicist who just totally dropped the ball on that and she didn't send it out to anybody. Who put it out? Um, what it label? Was, I put it out on my own, so that probably is also why. I mean, it just didn't have much reach at all. You know? Oh yeah, but it made the thing I liked about it was it made sense. It wasn't like you know it was like wow, that's you before you became you. It yeah. was it was really honoring whatever you became. Yeah, and everybody at that time, I was like, I'm making a soul rock and roll record, and but when I put it out in the small amount of charts that it got put on, everybody said alternative country. Well, that's something you guys got to fight with. I don't, I don't, yeah, understand, it, I don't I mean, understand it, how it holds anymore. We always it. just got when we would play shows, folks would say, "You sound like Dolly Parton backed by the Rolling Stones," and I, I, I take that. Yeah, but I just kind of felt maybe that something that I was doing wasn't exactly working. So then I went back, to, added, started playing my acoustic again, and. But the weird thing is, so so you were mad it wasn't country or it wasn't rock. I just was mad that I was trying to make 
a soul record with not any acoustic instruments on it and people were calling it country. Oh. Because, right. I mean, but all what, country. Country, what country was and still kind of is at that time was maybe is more like that. I don't know. I, well, I, I don't know. Like that alt country it's thing. It's still rooted, you know? It's like, yeah, I do, like I CCR or something. It's, yes. you know, sure. happy medium yeah. between... Well, I mean, country is, is rock. I mean, yeah. you know, it's always yeah. been part of rock. Like Graham Parsons, he had a great quote. It was, uh, in all great country music, there's a little bit rock and roll. Or the other way around, sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's kind of, yeah. It, they're, and blues and country, you yeah, know, that's, three that's chords, it. same that's progressions. It. But that's all yeah, of it. That's yeah. rock. Yeah, it is. <laughs> but the all country thing, that label, whenever it originally started happening, it's been a while. That fight has been a long, weird fight. I mean, mm-hmm. even when... Um, you know, Steve Earle was doing relatively mainstream. I love Steve Earle. Yeah, but those first couple albums, it's just fucking, you know, straight up country rock. Totally. And, you know, then he, that label started to sort of come, that alt country thing. And even even Towns Van Zandt, I don't know, gets... Love yeah, right, but they don't, they don't get put in the canon of right. country artists. It's like folk or, you know, and now what you have everybody labeling uh, this more rooted country stuff is Americana. Yeah, what is it? But that, but that must just be a stronghold of that fucking paradigm of that machine of that Nashville machine. That must be right. That they want to say, well, now we need to develop a different genre for country because we can't put these people doing this kind of country and these people doing this other kind of country in the same boat, you know. And I've I've been doing these. But why is that? It's because that audience is fundamentally like second or third generation away from you know their parents music which is more like what you guys are playing yeah and now it's just this weird stadium rock version of, of with the earpiece yeah. and the white teeth and the and some of those guys do real country i mean there's no doubt about yeah. it but the production is is such and i guess the machine is such that they're not gonna let you go go back in time yeah yeah that you they gotta... need to make they need to make records that cost millions of dollars to make just or to feed the God thing. God knows why. Who the hell fucking knows? I don't know. Well, it's been so weird. I've been doing the, a couple of uh, radio tours and I go meet these like program directors and they're all perplexed by me. And Well, I like this, but I don't know how we're going to play this next to... What? You know... Uh, these country Keith stations? Keith Toby Joe, a, a, you know, bro country guy. Right. Nameless country guy. Well, that's because they think it's going to feel like you're going back in time. Yeah. Like it's, it's really one of those issues of like, you know... I think maybe country is one of those weird things that's judged differently in that the stuff that really had integrity, you know, everyone will claim to be, uh, you know, inspired by, Mm -hmm. but they think that the form of producing it, you know, like a country record used to be produced is somehow dated. Yeah. That must be it. But I mean, even when I remember hearing the White Stripes for the first time and it was like grungy, gritty rock and roll and it was very different compared to the like bubble gum. Right. You well, know, yeah, yeah, like yeah. boy band sure, stuff, sure. but no, but but like you said, it wasn't like judged like, oh, well, this is, you know. Well, I guess it's throwback like, rock. Well, I think that's because like there was never any kind of broadcast infrastructure that was equivalent to college radio for country music. Mm-hmm. Like you would be played on college radio because it's a open, yeah, big tent or open. But yeah. there was always this like alternative market for rock. Mm-hmm. But there really wasn't one for country. No, I mean, not country at all. was always country. Yeah. And I think so many people have just written off country music. Well, I'm not going to listen to country radio because I don't like it. Mm-hmm. And I'm one of those people. Yeah. And then I'm going into these, you know, a lot of these stations and they're just looking at me like, who the fuck? What, what are you? 
These are what country are stations. Yeah. It's weird to me that that's the response. Yeah. I mean, they can't identify it. I'm sure it. like some of them are playing me, but... Um, but, but like, what is Sturgill doing? Are they playing him? Not as much as they should. It's crazy. You know, not as much as they should. They just don't like you guys coming around the side. Yeah, it's you, you guys are like... But then everybody else, I think, is going to probably try to say... Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna make something genuine and rooted and yeah, that's what's gonna you know right. yeah. I've been seeing some uh, some of that. Oh yeah, and, and little little waves like uh, this one kind of mainstream girl. I'm not gonna say her name. But yeah, I mean the, I just saw this thing she put up and she said the word honest. I wanted to make something honest. She said it five times. Uh, it's either that or th- authentic. Authentic. Yeah, those are the ones. Yeah, yeah. real deal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So all right, so you're playing with Buffalo Clover. You made your soul record. When does it? When does the crazy shit start? Crazy shit starts. Um, get pregnant. Uh, I'm married at this time, but get pregnant kind of by accident. Um, now, what was the story like in the song? You said you took up with a married man. Was he married when you met him? I, he was married when I met him. His ex-wife was totally crazy. Um, uh-huh. She was on drugs and um, got pregnant with somebody else's kid and then oh. wouldn't sign the divorce papers when he said this is over. So when I met him, he oh. had been separated for right. a year. That's kind of the only thing on the album that is not, doesn't come off completely factual because I didn't... Well, no, I mean, what are you going to say in the middle of the song? Yeah. I mean, yeah. like, you know, for the sake of the lyric, yeah, just, are you going to go into good. it like, well, he wasn't really... Technically <laughs> separated. It doesn't come off in a verse. <laughs> I got involved yeah. with a married man. So we, we, we uh, settled down and... Um, but. I was ready to go to Europe and tour really heavily with with, with uh, Low Down Time. So the one before Test Your Love, the Buffalo Clover record. Uh-huh. And then I find out that I'm pregnant. And it's your husband's on the band, though. He was, yeah. He, he was, was in playing Buffalo Clover electric too. guitar. Oh, okay, okay. That, yeah. So but, you uh, both find out you're pregnant. Yeah, we both find out we're mm. pregnant, and you know we're happy. But I, I think at that point I had thought I'm just going to have dogs and just be a musician because he he had told me that that he couldn't have kids. So we're together for seven years, that not getting line. pregnant, and yeah. then all of a sudden, boom, pregnant with twins. And uh, so it was just a, a really trying pregnancy, and I found out about 17, 18 weeks that um, one of my sons had a heart defect. He had um, hypoplastic left heart syndrome, and uh, he had half a heart. Ugh. And um, so they told me that, and I was at Vanderbilt, a really great hospital yeah. in Tennessee. They they were second best on doing this particular surgery that he yeah. needed. 90% chance he was going to survive, but he would probably have only lived to be 30 or 40. Right. And uh, so that was a really heavy pill to swallow. And Before he's even out of before you? Before he was even born. Yeah. So my depression like starts then. Right. And I'm already like a, like I said, kind of a manic depressive person yeah. anyway. But uh, he, I have them, and uh, doctor does the surgery and fucked it up, and we lost him, and uh, then started the downward spiral. Yeah. But I, ha- you know, here I have a perfectly healthy baby at home, mm-hmm. and uh, every, you know, every day was, it was happy, but it was there was just always a sadness there. I mean, we had two of we we had. Two yeah. cribs, two car seats, two of everything. Oh, so yeah, that got um, really heavy, and but you know, I was still being a good mother. Yeah. But you know, I would, I would go out and uh, if I drank in a bad mood, 
it was just over. Fair. Yeah. And, uh, well, there's a normal sort of postpartum depression that happens. Exactly. But but compounded by the absence of. Yeah, know, it right. was just terrible, yeah. and uh, it just affected me so much. So. Um, so you're an angry drunk. I yeah, I would get I would get sad, and then I I was actually I was so depressed that I was thinking of checking myself into uh, yeah a place, and right. I, I kept saying it out loud, yeah. and it was like nobody was really aware of how bad I was. Right. And like, I mean, thinking like suicidal thoughts. Right, right, right. So um, I, one night I, I went over to a friend's. She was a, a mother and a musician, and she also was a uh, wine dealer. Mm-hmm. We get all loaded on like really expensive wine, and I'm playing drums and having fun. I'd started out kind of crying, but the drunker I got, the, you know, the more I forgot about things. Right. And, and then um, the night starts getting really late and I thought I better get home my husband's gonna kick my ass I need I really need to go call a cab it was before like Uber and Lyft and all mm-hmm. this cab doesn't come um, some time goes by like drink some water eat some crackers sure. and cheese Sober up. think I'm good to go and uh, only a mile from my house but I was driving mm-hmm. very large um, Ford Explorer and hit. oh so you sobered up because the cab didn't come yeah yeah right, you're gonna drive gonna drive yeah, yeah sure. definitely was sober and george to jones it gonna do yeah i wish i had a lawnmower i would have got <laughs> a lot less trouble but i i uh i hit a telephone pole in front of two cops in front of them in front of two cops and uh good timing yeah and i was so close to my house that's and, the worst and then i i, I was did, thinking uh, like i'm going to jail maybe i can outrun the fuckers so i start speeding oh, you, away thinking i'll just pull in someone's driveway because i was they were parked i was yeah. going pretty fast right and, and uh, you were shit-faced and i was shit-faced yeah. and i was not thinking clearly clearly yeah and uh so yeah finally pull over because there's two cop cars yeah. and one's like side of me and one's behind me <laughs> oh really they're kind of pull it they, yeah you, they're making you pull pouring over. down rain they make me walk the line of course i fail horribly they take me to jail and um I was charged with like uh, public property damage, mm-hmm. fleeing the scene of an accident, a whole list of things, and uh, went to court, um, ended up getting reckless endangerment, which is a misdemeanor and does not look very good. Sure. When you look up the definition, it's like you went out um, trying to hurt other people, and I, I was only trying to hurt myself. Right. So anyway, my now your husband's got to put up with this shit. He's uh, home with the kid. He gets a call in the middle of the night. He thinks I'm dead. The yeah. way that the cops right. called, and uh, end up you know going to court. My lawyer's like, "All right, you're gonna have to go do this, do a weekend, but it's a white collar prison. There's right. it's, the people are gonna be so nice. Mm-hmm. It's not gonna be bad." Well, he lied to me yeah. because it was terrible, uh-huh. and you know he couldn't even bring in a book. Um, Prison was bad, imagine. Hmm. Who would have thought? <laughs> and I, the girl that was my roommate, she was all messed up on pills. She mm-hmm. slept all day. She had beat her boyfriend up, high on crack cocaine. Mm-hmm. And uh, she had me actually mail a letter to him because he wasn't answering her phone calls. His name was Cash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so I, after that, I... Um, you know, just really did not want to. She go. sent you out with a letter. Sent like, me out with oh, a letter. Right, right. Yeah, when you left. Oh, you're she was getting like, out here. Call me. Uh huh. Gave me your phone number. Right, right. <laughs> but it was so eye opening. There's, you know, to see that all the women in there and all the things they had been through, and um, actually really want to go do a tour of a women's prison. Speaking of the Johnny Qu- yeah, Johnny yeah. Cash live in San Quentin. Yeah. Um, 
But after I got out, I uh, sobered up for a long time and got my shit together and started writing more. And then that was... Being a better mom. Being a better mom. Yeah. Better wife. Yeah. Trying at least. Well, you you must have married a real hero. He's put up with a lot. (laughs) More than you'll ever know. (laughs) And you guys are good? Yeah, we're good. Um, he, He was playing bass. And for quite a while, and then things got incredibly busy, and I was on the road so much. We don't have a bus. We're still touring in like a sprinter, mm-hmm. so I can't. It's not an option really to bring my son along. Right? How old is he now? He's six. Oh, yeah. He's starting kindergarten this this year. I'm gonna be there for his first day of kindergarten. So that's well, good. that's good. Yeah, he's he's great. And what do you what what do you, what do you do? You just you just leveled off and got pulled it in, or you got real leveled sober? Off. I, yeah, I got sober for a while. Now I um drink sometimes but i never drink if i'm in a bad mood okay and you don't feel the you don't feel compelled you don't drink alcoholically necessarily yeah i don't i mean i go on and i'm working so much i lose my voice if i'm drinking oh yeah you know do you smoke when i drink Uh (laughs) (laughs) so yeah i'll go long amounts of time i just smoke pot yeah and uh Find All right, but you're level Which, and you're showing up for work. I am. Yeah, things have really. Uh, and you're showing up really for the family around. business. Yeah. So wait, what? Where's the Winnebago part? Well, the Winnebago. Um, After you get out of prison. This was this was before. Yeah. Oh damn. Yeah. That was um, another dream. The L.A. That dream. Was, that was the the whole other dream. We had uh, for a while. I was acted as my own manager. I created a a man that um, because. People responded much better in emails. So you invented a dude. Hi, this is Margo. I want to book a show. Hello, this is John Sirota. I'm writing on behalf of Mm -hmm. Buffalo Clover. So we had this guy that was, he he booked a tour across the United States from, started in Illinois, went to Nashville, and we went to North Carolina and played all the way across the U.S. In a Winnebago. In a Winnebago. Yeah. And I booked it all as a man. And and this. a fictitious man. With your husband. Yep, my husband, he was playing um, electric guitar. Yeah. I was playing acoustic. And then and the I band is drummer the, and bass player. The jazz drummer. Jazz drummer, yep. In the Winnebago. Yep, in the Winnebago, living the dream. Um, and yeah, that was a, a whole experience unto itself. But after, after we played our last show, um, so we played in Los Angeles, and then we went up to like Hermosa Beach or something, a uh-huh. show. And then uh, right when we played the last show, the Winnebago, it was in 1986, Winnebago, quit going into third gear. So we drove all the way up the Pacific Coast Highway going 35 miles an hour with people just honking at us. <laughs> yeah. And, trip and, trip uh, on mushrooms again uh, in the Redwood Forest for like a week. Oh, that's nice. Get all booby-eyed and yeah. uh, feeling crazy. And then um, I, I thought that it was just destiny. All right, things weren't really taken off in Nashville. Winnebago breaks down on the West Coast. Yeah. Let's stay out here. Oh, yeah. We live here. This yeah. is where it stops. Playing psychedelic music anyway. Sure. And uh But my husband, he really wanted to go back to Tennessee, and his parents also really wanted us to go back. So we uh, we sold the Winnebago to oh. these, uh, these hippies that we met. Have you ever heard of the Rainbow Children? Yeah. Yeah. Stay away from There's them. a documentary on them, I think. Really? I need to check that out. They're a cult. Yeah, it's a very strange little... And we found them... I mean, we were just staying at trailer parks the yeah. whole tour. We didn't have to get any hotels or anything. You just pull up in the trailer park next to... Uh, old, you know, Wherever. Yeah, Bob and Helen or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, 
we we pulled into this one. It was like this guy told us in the town where we could do free camping. And yeah. It was all the rainbow children. Uh-huh. And they were kind of terrifying that, you know, they wanted to trade like their Grateful Dead t-shirt for weed or, you yeah, know, right. toilet paper or whatever uh, you had on you. Yeah, hippie barter. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Smelled so bad. So we, the Winnebago is not going so well. So we we sell it to these these rainbow kids and um for like three hundred dollars and they were telling us that they would give us more money later Uh when we mailed them the title because i hadn't even got the title yet because we only had it for a month and we drove (laughs) it into the ground yeah and uh so go back home the u-haul maybe like a month later my dad gets a call from the reno police department and he they said that my winnebago was abandoned on the side of the road (laughs) And I never, I never saw it again. That was it. That was it. What do you say that it was stolen? By Winnie they, Cooper. Oh yeah. <laughs> that was the end of that story. That was like, it. it was, yeah. Well, you could have, you could have ended up in the Rainbow Children. So I you, mean, things really went the way they should have. <laughs> I'm so glad we didn't stay there. <laughs> you could have been still there. <laughs> well, that's good. Well, that's interesting. That you, you know, you, the sort of parent, you know, his parents were like, just come back. Just come back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You guys need to quit this music thing. And Oh, they were like that? Get, yeah, yeah, get yeah. Get a normal life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, but I mean, they, they've, you know, they've helped support us. We're, you know, we're losers. You know, every now and then you got to get some help financially. And we'd, we'd burned all our money up on this Winnebago and this tour that really got us nowhere. Did you open for anybody? Or are you just doing clubs on no, your own? No, I was own? just doing like, yeah. And there was no real record you know no one knew you no no and we made a documentary of the whole trip where's that a little camcorder it's called maybe we'll make it oh. and it was like the you know maybe we'll sure. make it sure yeah. Very, a lot of metaphors there but uh we did not make it then so then you just kind of dug <clears throat> in 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 nashville and that's how you got you know to the 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 place you're at now yeah yeah i mean i'm i'm glad that i stuck with it the only reason that i wanted to go back was like in my mind i, I didn't want to let that city kick my ass I wanted to conquer it. When I, when I first moved there, I wrote down all the venues I wanted to play on a sheet of paper, and I slowly checked them off. You know, start with the dive bar, Springwater. Okay, we're done. Yeah. The end. Yeah. Uh, exit in, five spot, third and Lindsley, go down the list. And uh, that. so I'm we're, glad I went back. When, when you'd streamlined the band and made it more of a country outfit, did uh, were you picking up a following? Was that starting to happen in town? And- yeah, things were were going well for a while. I um, played this small club called the Basement. Yeah, and uh, this guy from Rolling Stone was there and just oh, like really? absolutely floored by the performance. This was probably about three years ago. Yeah, right around the time that the jail stuff was happening, and I hadn't written the jail song yet. hadn't yeah. written Hands of Time, but had had like hurting on the bottle and like all the yeah you know. Since you put me down those tunes, guy from Rolling Stone comes up and says, "Where's your record? I want to review it. Where the hell did you come from?" <laughs> and I said, "I don't have a record. Hang on, really quickly." And then I wrote this insane letter, sent it out to all these producers and labels. I'm about to make the best country record you've ever heard. Give me money. Put your name on that one. Yeah, <laughs> Margot Price. Nobody wrote me back. Uh, you just and blew it out there? I just like, threw it out there. Like, you know, maybe someone would help. After and, you talked uh, to the Rolling Stone guy. Yeah, because like, I thought, and I would he's tell on people. To something. Yeah, I'm like, Rolling Stone did this feature on me. They shared my little video I did, and um, we got a good thing. There's a good buzz going, but nobody would bite on it. So about a year goes by, and my husband just up and decides to sell the car. 
He's like, we're making this record, and that's the end of it. And I so you're really tried to like talk that? him out of it. I said, sell don't car. sell the car. He went down, he sold the car. Uh-huh. It was a little Mini Cooper, <laughs> and uh, it had been kind of gifted to us from his grandmother and right. whatever. And I didn't really feel right about driving it around anyway, because I didn't earn it. Right. And uh, so sold the car. And um, How are you getting around Nashville? Well, we had we had another car, which we still have one car. We just share it now. Mm-hmm. And Nashville's not a very like yeah friendly not. city if you don't have a car. Right, you can't yeah yeah take the bus. There's no subway. Can't there's not even bike lanes. So yeah, so we fight over the car. And um, but we go into Sun Studio and make a a record in three days. What you just paid the cost of the studio. Yeah, just who'd you pay, bring in? Who paid, produced it? Um, you guys? Well, um, my friend Alex Munoz. He's from Spain and. He he kept saying, I want to come along and produce this record. And I, I said, man, we just don't have the budget. We're just very small budget. And he he told my husband on the side, he said, I'm going to come do it. I'll do it for free. You guys can worry about paying me later. Yeah. I said, Alex, you might not ever get paid. Yeah. But he came along anyway. Um, I paid all my uh, musicians, all the dudes in my band. And we recorded live to uh, Radar, which is like this weird analog uh-huh. thing. And happened real fast. And I was... So happy with the way it came out. This record's all live? Yeah, yeah. No shit. I, I went back and redid some of the vocals, but all the playing is all that live. must be, like, because, like, there is something, like, really whole-sounding yeah. to it. And uh, this town gets around. That's a live vocal. It's really has that kind of Johnny Cash, like, uh-huh. slap back. Everything uh-huh. is in the same room. So, um, wow. get done with it. I'm so happy with how it came out. So, you self-produce that thing. Yeah, yeah, and Al- Alex Munoz and uh, Matt Ross Spang, they both kind of help and and engineer and produce it for very little. Were you friends with, like, Cobb and Sturgill and all those cats at that time? I, I had known Sturgill, but um, had never met Dave, and uh, I don't think he had any interest in really working with me. He had a lot of things going on right. at the time. So, so there wasn't really a unified kind of little new country community down yeah, there. I mean, I think everybody wants to think East Nashville is so... Yeah. Everybody loves each other and no. everyone's collaborating. And there is a lot of that, but there's also a very competitive, right. business-minded, right. get out of my fucking way, right. or I'll step on your head to get to the top. So now you've got this analog mm. take. Yeah, got it. And I'm I'm floored. I think it turned out great. Yeah. And I, I start sending it to... Big labels, small labels, Americana labels. Yourself. Indie labels, yeah. But like Bloodshot and like who? Totally, totally, yeah. totally. Uh, uh, you know. Merge. New West. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, you know, even was talking to Sony a little bit. They uh-huh. had me come in and play for them. And, uh-huh. uh, but nobody was biting. And the one person that was biting, they wanted me to take off the fiddle and take off, change the bass and make it more uh, a soul record. And so I... I was getting. They these, still heard that in there somehow. Yeah, yeah. They they wanted you know because mm. I think it was in, you know recorded in Memphis that they thought we could just totally flip this and make it all soul or something. Mm-hmm. And, um, I had I mean so many rejections that. But it's I interesting was, that they heard that in 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 this record because like that you did make a soul record and it was in you. Yeah, but yeah. I don't hear it in the record necessarily. Yeah, yeah. the pedal steel and I mean. Yeah. Yeah. It um But they were like that's a soul record in here. Yeah, this one yeah, this one crazy. label. They they and they offered me more money than I'd ever seen at the time and I thought about it, but then I just couldn't change it. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, good. So there there's a lot of rejections. I think I think I'm actually gonna get my rejection letters framed. 
Yeah. <laughs> I think that'll be a good look on my sure. wall, you know, all sure. the nose and the... Yeah. Mount uh, them together, like yeah. in one, like a large piece. Yeah. Yeah. And then finally, third man comes along and... Uh, Jack specifically or his guy? I, I heard, you know, Jack likes what you're doing. He wants to hear the record. Uh-huh. So I meet his, uh, the other two third men, uh, Ben Swank, Ben Blackwell. They come out to show and... They love it. They love the record. Can't say how he wouldn't. Yeah, they didn't want to change anything, and it yeah. was insane. And uh, so for a few months, you know, we were kind of just talking and figuring things out. And yeah. I remember my uh, my pedal steel player, once we knew that it was going to happen, that they were actually going to sign us. Yeah. And not just like put out a single or something, like right. the whole record. My, my pedal steel player, he said, going to be a lot of toilets flushing in Nashville the day out <laughs> you're signing the third man <laughs> and it's always nice now when i when i see some of these folks hey how are you doing good to see you you know yeah and it turned out way better than you know had i signed with anybody else cause, right because like he's uh he's an artist's producer and label yeah i'm it still feels like a dream i don't i don't know how things have gone so well just what are you talking waiting about? for them to go wrong you sounds like you paid some dues i know well you know all about that too it's, yeah but I, I mean, it's, it's not like, like I'm kind of looking behind my back. No, I know. I, when's yeah. when's the evil thing going to bite me again, and I'll yeah. slip back into the yeah. hole of well, loserdom? And no, well, the good thing about evil things biting you when you're a country singer is that's your next record. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> if they didn't bite me, now it's like the internet trolls. You know, I got a uh, worst. I, they, but it like feeds the fire. You uh, get trolls. Get get some trolls, and it's always. It's never talking about my music. It's right. never. I oh, you suck. I hate your voice. You can't write a song. It's always, she's too. She's not pretty enough, or you know, oh, yeah, she needs a nose job. With women, it's always, it's always a comment on the looks. I don't understand. She's wearing too much makeup. She's not day. wearing enough makeup. She's dressed like a slut. She's dressed like a prude. This, don't read them. Fucking ridiculous. What, what, when do you, what, on Twitter or what? Yeah, Twitter's probably the worst. Yeah, what is it? So they see you um, on TV and that's when it happens? Yeah, yeah or like, you that. know, somebody, one of the late night shows put up like a photo of me and I was just... Yeah, don't fucking do that. Yeah, I can't read the comments anymore. No. It ruins my, no, it's, my and happiness. For, and for people that are like, sort of like, you know, kind of, you know, sensitive, like myself yeah, or whatever. They, I am they, sensitive. Well, also like, you know, you want to read the good shit, but then it's just this speedball of garbage. it ruins it for people writing good shit. Oh, yeah, I because... I don't even open my messages anymore. Well, you can't, like, it, it, people, well, like me, I don't know you specifically, but you, you kind of blow through the good shit. Yeah. And then when yeah. the bad shit hits, you're like, wait, what the yeah, fuck? Yeah, yeah. And then it fuels you up. And then the, the people writing good shit hate you for that shit. <sighs> They're like, what about, we say nice things. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But what about yeah, this yeah, fucking Yeah, 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 exactly. I love how you uh, ha how you spoke up for Amy Schumer, too. That was really nice. Oh, th but those are all the same. She's, those dudes she's are amazing. the same. And it's, yeah. yeah, it's the same thing. It's like, what do you? They do, it's all this, it's all, you know, they, these fucking babies with women. Yeah. It's just like, shut up. Sitting at home and, you know, it's living just, at their parents' house, right? What can I say about her? Yeah, or even worse, not living at their parents' house and sitting at home playing yeah. video games. You know, like, it's just, it, it, it's just something that exists now. And it, it is, It comes yeah, and I, goes. So, wait, so did you meet Jack? I mean, do you have a relationship with him? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a nice guy. I went down there. So nice. Yeah. yeah. Have you done, done the third man tour? And I interviewed him down there years ago. Yeah. Uh, we talked about blues and stuff. And, you nice. know, I... I you, yeah, yeah, you guys have the same... Uh, the speaker set up for the... For the Macintosh? Yeah, yeah. Well, he, like, when I saw his, I'm like, I gotta get it. And then when I saw how much <laughs> and it then was... The <laughs> 
fucking nightmare. But, I, like, but it he's got great. more than I do, you know, and he's yeah, got, yeah. I think, a different thing. But I ended up getting it. So what is your deal with them? How many records? Um, I got one more with them. And then we'll Are you going to let him I, produce it? I don't know yet. We, uh, I've been just kind of starting the conversation about where I'm going to do it and, and who's going to produce and all that. I'm, I've got 30 songs. You do? Maybe more. Yeah. Really? Yeah. And um, I've, I really want to do something big. I, yeah. I hate thinking about just putting out like 10 songs or something. Right. Because... Well, don't burn them all. Yeah. I mean... It's too much. Got to save them for when the creative no, juice dries up, maybe. But no, but I, like I a like tight record's were, good, though, man. Yeah, I, I yeah. mean, like sometimes, like, like it's like, um, well, Sturgill's kind of aware of it too. That there's nothing wrong with actually thinking in terms of a record and not thinking in terms of like just putting songs on there, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think I think they are good songs. I don't want to, you know, just put shit on there. But I, I feel like when you first write a song, it it will never mean as much to you in five years as the moment when you wrote it, right? So that's, that's so you don't want to hold on my to thought, but right. I could just you know record them and then hold I, well, on to I'm, them for I'm later. Not, I I I wasn't being you do what you got to do. I, yeah, I mean yeah. either way, I'll I'll listen to all the yeah. songs. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm sending you two Buffalo Clover vinyls. So. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna make note of that. Um. So well, I love this record, and I'm glad Thank we you. talked. I love you. Like I said, we listen to you on the road, and uh, when we get real burnt out of just <sighs> listening to albums, yeah. It makes the time go by. Everyone just listening. To Everybody me listens. Yeah, nine people in there. Just everybody's cracking up. And it, do do people great. go like, "Ah, Marin, what'd you ask that no, for?" No, no. What are you doing? I, it was great. But the Neil Young one was oh, was man. amazing that to was listen so to. Nervous, dude. The, oh, I, I can't imagine because he was hard for about ten or fifteen minutes. Like yeah, it was you like warm him up. Neil's well, not a. It's, it's not, not even open warm him up, right? It's not even warm him up. It's like. There's just some, sh- he doesn't give a fuck. Right. And he doesn't, you know. He doesn't need to. And he doesn't really like to do interviews, but he wanted to, Pono to get out there. And, yeah. And like, he, he clearly did not want to talk about anything that, that you know, had anything. He wanted to ask, yeah. Well, no, I didn't know where to start. You know, I'm starting with gear and he's like, yeah, I think I got, like, he's dismissing, yeah. you know, like, I'm like, I got this amp, it's like yours. He's like, oh, yeah, it looks, I think I got one like that. I'm like, oh, he's not going to. Not going to mm. bite on equipment. Gonna, what are we well, going to talk about? Well, I think the reason people liked it was he seemed to loosen up and have a good time. Oh, he totally did. And I felt like he was kind of interviewing you. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, he like flipped it around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The lozenges and the, the math on those. I I was at a, doing a thing with KCRW and I saw outside yeah. the studio we were at, there was a sign that said reserved for shaky and I found out he was there, and I just I wanted to meet him so bad. I'm a, a massive Neil Young freak, and um, I called Third Man. Hey, you guys did that thing with him. Can you yeah. can you get me to Has meet? Hasn't happened yet. I didn't get to meet him. He like left for lunch, and then something happened. He got pissed off at somebody. Didn't come back for the day. He said Neil's not in a good mood today. But I can understand that. I got a lot of. Have you been able to meet? Like, as I talked to Sturgill about that. You know about his heroes or people he respected. Have you been able to meet any of the people? Like, who are your 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 gals and guys? Well, I mean, I love Bob Dylan. Speaking of Bobby's, another hard guy to meet. Yeah, I'm never going to meet him probably, but I love Bob Dylan. Uh, have everything he's ever done. Um, of course, I love Loretta. I'm right. dying to meet her. Still haven't got to yet. Um, love Dolly Parton. Love Dolly Jesse Parton's Coulter. Yeah, yeah, Waylon's. Yeah. Waylon's wife. Yeah. Um, and I did the coolest person I've got to meet and actually got to sing with was I got to sing with Chris Christopherson. You did? And I met I met him twice and we've got to hang out and so that's 
that's been the highlight for me. I got off stage. I sang. Uh, Patty Smith was stuck in traffic. She yeah. was supposed to come sing with him at Newport. Yeah. And I got this text message that just said, "Patty Smith stuck in traffic. Do you want to come sing me and Bobby McGee with Chris Christopherson?" <laughs> and I was in the middle of an interview with Rolling Stone, and I just was like, "I gotta leave." I <laughs> ran over there and uh, got on stage with him and. It was the coolest thing ever. He like leaned over in my ear and he just said, "You sound beautiful." <laughs> On stage, <laughs> I get up. I'm like, it's the like the best natural high I'd ever had. Like, oh, just that's amazing. Yeah. When did that happen? That happened at Newport, just like a week and a half. Ago. Really? Yeah, I'll send you a little video of it. And how he, how's he? He's good. He's um, you know, he's dealing with um, Lyme Lyme disease. He really? was misdiagnosed. Uh-huh. They thought that he had Alzheimer's, uh-huh. and um, he got it. Probably from what his wife thinks is crawling around on a floor during, like the floor of a forest, picked up a tick during a, a movie oh. and just never got diagnosed. Oh, wow. So he's having a lot of memory issues. Okay. But um, he can still remember his songs and uh-huh. remember how to play them. And it's like the Glenn Campbell thing. Yeah. It's just so cool to see. He's heavy, man. He's heavy yeah. presence. Oh, my gosh. All right. So you want to play a song? Can sure, you? sure. All right, hold on. I'm going to stop this and we'll okay. set up. Uh, I'm going to do this this song that is the B-side for uh, a seven-inch we did at Third Man. It's called Desperate and Depressed. I'm pissed off at the number of people that I meet Who go to shake my hand with a viper up there
<laughs> thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. That sounded good. Me. That was fun. Nice meeting you. You too. Thanks for having me. How great is she? Seriously. I'm, I'm not just, you know, I don't have her up on a pedestal. I'm not, I don't have a crush on her. I just think she's great. All right, have a little crush on her. Go to WTFPod.com and check those tour dates. Carnegie's almost done. Almost sold out. Might be. I got to check. Got Chicago coming up, Nashville, Tallahassee. Dates in the spring uh, in Connecticut and upstate New York. And Just go to, go to the website. Get the poster. Do what you got to do. Boomer lives! <laughs> 